0: Good morning. So, I would feel absolutely remiss if I got up here this morning and um, didn't mention the DeFord family. We love you. We're praying for you. Um, And our hearts and our prayers are with you, Um, as well as the Clunder family as they um, deal with the aftermath of a motorcycle accident. And so, like Bob said earlier in our first service, we weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. Um, and just a reminder as we are mourning and weeping with the DeFord family, we're also praising God that there is an eternity waiting for us and our brother Tim is there in eternity with our Savior. And so it's with heavy hearts, and, but then Thanksgiving as well. Um, happy Father's Day, by the way. Um, I did want to start off with two disclaimers, though, before I start this message. And the first one is, I feel woefully unworthy to bring a Father's Day message to you today. I have six children, we have six children, lovely children, that we're very thankful for, but they are six very young experiments, and... We are still going through and learning how to counsel, how to shepherd, how to love um, through different stages of life, and each one has been interesting. I wish I could say it's been perfect, but I cannot say that. I hope my kids, when they look at me, um, they see an imperfect dad who loved a perfect Savior and has a perfect Father in heaven. Um, And so that's my hope. Um, But I do feel woefully unworthy to bring a Father's Day message. And the second one is, is with these holidays, Father's Day, Mother's Day, um, there are, they can be happy. It's a happy, it's a time to celebrate and be thankful for our fathers, family members, whoever it is. Um, But it can also bring about pain. And it can bring some pain and some sorrow along with it. And so I just want to let you know anyone out there who is feeling sorrow today or is feeling pain, um, I just hope today you leave here encouraged and assured that there is a Heavenly Father that loves you very much. And He wants you. And so that's the second, the second one. But I'd really like to open up in prayer and ask for God's blessing on this time. So let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can call you Father. We thank you that the creator of all the universe, Lord, that we have an audience with you, that our voices are heard before your throne. Lord, thank you that it's not our righteousness that we trust in, Lord, or anything that we do, but it's in the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just thank you that that is our testimony today. And again, as Sebastian was saying, I pray that if there's any there that are not firmly standing on the foundation of Jesus Christ or that they would give an end, come to an end of themselves, Lord. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Lord, again, we just thank you that we can call you Father. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ and we ask your blessing on this time, Lord. May they be sound words from, your, from you, Lord, and from the Holy Spirit. And may you guide and, and direct this message, Lord. And if there's any flesh to be found in it, Lord, I just pray that it would be peeled away. Lord, we love you. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I was asked to do the Father's Day message, um, I really didn't know what to think. There was a period of excitement. And then there was a period of dread. And um, if you could just close your eyes with me real quick and picture a plate of spaghetti just thrown down, that's been my brain as I think about what to teach about um, this morning. And I didn't know if I should do a 12 point message on how to be a better father or how to raise godly kids or look at examples in God's word of fathers who did a good job or fathers who failed and, and um, or to point to our father in heaven and um, ultimately that's what I landed on was all of it and the reason we can do that is by when we look at our father in heaven we see the perfect example of what a father is and so for today we're going to spend time looking at who our Heavenly Father is and who he can be to us and um, I also I will I hope that there's three things that you walk away with today I hope that you walk away with a refreshed love for our Savior for our Father in heaven that you walk away encouraged whether you're a leader, a spiritual father, or a father in your household, or as children of God, the Almighty God, I pray that you walk away encouraged in your walk. And then finally, I pray that you would walk away with an assurance, again, that you have a Heavenly Father that loves you very much. And I know as we go through examples of fathers today, that not everyone has the same background, when it comes to parents or fathers. See, I was blessed with having a very loving father who cared and provided for us very much and showed me the example of what it means to literally illustrate the example of being willing to give the shirt off of your back to a stranger. And um, so I had that as a father, but I understand that not everyone had that background. Some of you had fathers who might as well have been fatherless. Some of you don't even know what it is to have the love of a father and so again our um, I understand that and earthly fathers can be a type and a shadow the Bible's full of types and shadows of Jesus and of our heavenly father and while our earthly father can be a type and a shadow pointing us to a heavenly father the ultimate example is found in the word of God and there's no substitute for that um, today, uh, our lesson is going to be in the in the book of John, chapter 14. So if you could turn with me real quick to John, chapter 14, um, we will begin there. And while you are turning there, I'd just like to share a couple of statistics with you uh, that I found. Estimated in the United States, there's there is an estimated 443,000 orphan children in the foster care system. That number might be wrong, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but that's what I was able to find, that there are nearly half a million kids in the foster care system. And in the world, UNICEF estimates that there are 153 million children in the foster care system. And some of you have been to different countries and been able to see the orphanages packed with kids who don't know what it is to have the love of parents, the unconditional love of parents who care and provide. But that doesn't have to be where it ends. And today, as we open up God's Word, we can see that we don't have to stay there. We have the blessing of a spiritual heavenly father who created everything. And we can know that love and the blessings that it is to have that father, to have our heavenly father. And so we're going to read through John. And and the other point on top of that is that there uh, we can assume that there's even more fatherlessness, fatherless homes on top of the orphans. And we see that running rampant through our country, through our communities, and through different areas around the globe, the effects of fatherlessness. And again, as we read today, just think about the blessing that it is, that that is not where we have to stay, in fatherlessness. So John chapter 14, we're going to read together. I'm going to read, and then we're going to go back through, and I've got some highlights and some points that we're going to go over And the blessings that it is to have our Father. I'm going to take a drink real quick. All right. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how, we can go, and how we can know the way. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the the Father is in me? The words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works." If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, and that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it see, neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. And at that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and that keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you because, before it comes, that when it comes to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But what the world may know, that I, that the world may know, that I love the Father and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. So in this passage, hopefully you were able to see some of the blessings that Jesus is pouring out that we get to partake in as we look to the same Heavenly Father that He knows. And He begins this passage with the comfort of saying, let not your heart be troubled. And I think each and every one of us out here knows the value of when we found ourselves in dark times or trying times, the value of having a brother or a sister or somebody to come alongside or maybe a father to come alongside and and shed light on the real situation. And Jesus is saying, I am going to shed light and give a divine perspective shift here. And I'm gonna change the bleak, hopeless situation you're gonna find yourself in. And so you don't have to be troubled, but you can be at peace. This opening statement is kind of like an assurance. It's like a father putting a child on his, on his lap who's just gone through something terrible and saying it's gonna be okay and here's why. In verse 2 through 6, we see something that we um, see throughout um, the world, and that's an inheritance. And if you turn with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, we see it's not like an inheritance that the world has to offer, that an earthly father has to offer. You see cars. Money, homes, properties, those inheritance all burn up. They pass away. But see, God is saying, Jesus is saying, there's an inheritance waiting for you that is perfect. And that it's not just perfect, but it will last forever. And if we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begun us, begotten us again, so given birth to us again, being born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, doesn't defile, doesn't go away, doesn't rot, and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through the faith. For salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Again, this is an inheritance that cannot go away. Will not go away. Will be there for an eternity. It can't be overspent. It can't be neglected in eternity. It will be there forever. And then he's not only just saying, hey, here it is. It's like the dad gives the key, kid, the keys to the car to the son, and he's not just saying, hey, drive off in the sunset, hopefully you make it. He gives right there in that passage of scripture the road map. He said, here it is, here's the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so he's not saying, send it off, hope you, hope you make it. He's saying, here he is. And as we abide in Christ, we find ourselves firmly on that roadmap, following the path that was laid before us at the beginning of this passage by our Father in heaven through the words that were shared through Jesus. In verse 7 through 11, we see the opportunity to know and to be known. And I'm going to steal a little illustration that I heard, um, and I'm going to present it to you It's just too good. Um, If I was to go to the White House and stand outside the gates and say, hey, I know the president. Let me in so I can talk with him. The Secret Service is going to say, yeah, everyone, the pulse knows who the president is. The word says that even the demons know who Jesus is. But if the president comes out and he says, that's Alex Lorson. I know him. They're not going to stand in his way. They're going to say, they're going to pat me down, I'm sure. But I'm going to be able to go in and speak with the President of the United States because he knows me. Every one of you out here knows who God is. And you've heard who Jesus is. But does Jesus know you? And in Matthew chapter 7, we hear something similar Uttered from the words of Jesus. And he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. We have done these great things in your name. Almost like, here's the ticket. We did these things. We know Jesus. Let us in. And his response isn't, yeah, sure. It's, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Does Jesus know you? Some of you out there need to continue pondering this question. We all need to continue pondering this question throughout our lives. Some of you haven't done business with the Lord Jesus. And I would implore you to do it quickly. Because your next breath is not guaranteed. You could walk out those doors and never breathe again and be entering into eternity So we see the opportunity to know and to be known by the Father. Verses 12 through 14, we see that we have an audience with God. And just ponder that for a second. The same God who spoke every single thing into existence keeps the universe in perfect alignment to his will, we have an audience with him. He doesn't just put the iPods or headphones in. He doesn't put his headphones in, walk into another room and say, yeah, don't bother me. He wants to hear from us. The same God who created the eyeball and allows us to see. He wants to hear from us. And we live in a world that tries to steal that glory from God. Who says it's by a divine accident that all of this came to be. This is a caveat. This is just a, we're going on a rabbit trail here. But we live in a world that tries to steal that glory from God. And say it's by divine accident all the toothpicks got thrown on the floor billions of years and by some divine accident, it built a bridge. It created the DNA that makes you, you, and me, me. It created the eye that allows us to see and the brain that takes what's seen and translates it into what we see. Colors, shapes. And We live in a world that tries to steal that. Don't forget, God does not do things by accident as we live in this world. In verse 15 through 18, probably some of my favorite verses in all of this chapter, we see God signing the adoption papers. Jesus almost signing the adoption papers saying, I will not leave you as orphans. In Ephesians chapter 1, let's just turn to it. Don't take my word for it, let's read it. In Ephesians chapter 1, we see um, the Holy Spirit is a seal of our faith, like the family seal saying, These are mine and I will return to them. Verses 13 of Ephesians chapter 1 In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. See, to God's glory, he said, these are mine. They will receive my spirit. And we receive counsel from him. We receive, he says, he brings us to a remembrance of everything that Jesus has said. To the word of God. Fathers, hopefully you're counseling your kids and shepherding your kids. And then later in that section of verses, we see the first utterance of God giving us the opportunity to be obedient, to love him. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I, uh, I may have shared this example before, but I was in a youth ministry years ago and um, there was a young man sitting next to me, and then an older man who was a friend of mine comes down. And he sits down, and he puts his arm around him, and he whispers, he says in his ear, he goes, "So and so, what's love without choice?" And this man, this young man, he was very sharp, and he said, "It's slavery." See, God doesn't desire slaves. He doesn't desire to have programmed beings that when he says, do this, I see, I program for a living and I'll create machines and when I tell it to do something, it does it. When I hit the execute, well, hopefully most of the time. Sometimes I screw it up. But he doesn't want that. See, he gave us the choice, the ability to love him. That same ability to choose sin is what makes, and it can be scary, because our flesh is wicked. But that same choice, that opportunity to love, is what gives us that, the ability to love, in and of itself. And we see him saying that, and if I could summarize, and then he tells us he will love us. And so we receive, in verses 19 through 23, we receive his love. And he says, I will love you. To be loved by the Creator of the universe and receive that promise from Him, that's huge. If I could summarize this whole chapter, I would say it's a Father's love being poured out through Jesus for his bride and for the father's children. In verses 25 through 27, we see peace. See, my dad, back when we were kids, my dad would go on fishing trips every uh, fall to Canada, and I would always just be sad leading up to that. Uh, Mostly, well, we would miss him, but I would also want to go up there with him and fish, so... But when we were little, um, it just wasn't feasible um, to do that, at least at the time. But my dad would leave the house, and, and sometimes he would leave little trinkets or toys that we could open up throughout the week to just remember him. But regardless of that, there was an uneasiness in the house. Not that I didn't love my mom or trust my mom or feel comfortable with her, But there's just an uneasiness when dad, the provider, the protector is out of the house and my wife has uttered similar things. She feels much better if I'm gone for work because the dog is there but she still doesn't sleep as well when I'm not in the house. And we would feel the same uneasiness when dad would leave on these fishing trips. And when he returned home, um, it was wonderful to hear the stories and, and the fish that were caught. Um, but we were just happy to have our dad back in the house. And Jesus gives us a peace, and he says, I'm going, but I'm leaving peace with you. And see, we heard this morning, I think our brother Dave Wiedenbacher took us to Philippians, and we hear about the peace that passes all understanding. And see, this peace that Jesus leaves us is not a peace because our lives are going to go perfect Many of us can attest to that. Our lives are not going to go perfect. There's going to be trials. There's going to be hurts. There's going to be pain. But the peace that passes all understanding is because we know who the Lord is. And we know that our eternity is spoken for in his blood. That's the peace that Jesus leaves with us. And I just have to imagine the disciples at this point are just like, what is going on here? You're going to leave us? And and they're, just, they're not picturing the same Jesus that Jesus knows is going to come to be, dying on the cross. And so reading in this passage, reading in this chapter, we see many blessings that echo the blessings of a father towards his children. But it brings us to a question. Who can call God the creator of everything, Father, is it everyone? Let me just tell you, it's no. It's not everyone. Who gets to call God Father? If we look at Matthew chapter 7 again, if you open up to Matthew chapter 7, you don't have to, but I'll read it to you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many, many that go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few that find it. If there are many that find destruction, does everyone enjoy the blessing of calling Father, or God, Father? The answer is no. No. But why does God not say that everyone can call him Father? See, it's available to everyone. Jesus said right there, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but him. But through him, it's available to everyone. But the problem is sin. See, sin is in direct opposition to who God is, his character, his nature. not equal opposite. There's no equal opposite to God. Satan is not the equal opposite to God. But sin stands in the direct opposition to who the character of God is, the nature of God. See, God is light, sin is dark. God creates, sin destroys. God is truth, Sin is lies. God is love. And sin is selfish. And see, Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve were created with the same sinless nature that God has. They were created without sin. And they enjoyed, Adam enjoyed direct fellowship with God in the garden. And we see, again, a similar relationship to that of a father and a son Adam immediately is given responsibility and work. Fathers, hopefully you're giving your children responsibility and tasks. and you're not teaching your kids that this world exists to entertain them. And in that there's great reward. See, God gives Adam tasks. He says, name the animals. And and just I just really quickly, want to look at, I was thinking about this, can you imagine the conversation with God? Adam is sitting there, and he's like, I think that thing should be, I don't know, I'm not going to pretend I know the conversation was, so this is not me saying this is what's in God's word, but can you imagine Adam sitting there saying, I think I want to name that thing an elephant. But God, that's cool. What did you do there? That's interesting. Why did you do that? Like, can you imagine the conversations? Did you know we can have that same fellowship with God today? And he wants it. He wants it desperately with us. But he wants it deeply with us. And you know how I know that? He gave his son. A brother, dear brother, got up during first service one time and he shared and he said, he said, gets up to the microphone, he says, I love each and every one of you. And I believe him. He said, I love all of you, but there is no way I would give my son for any of you. That's how we know that God wants us. He gave his son so that we can enjoy the same blessings of a father for eternity. That's how we know that Jesus lo- or God loves us and Jesus loves us. And we see that relationship in the garden. We see the opportunity to be obedient when God says, hey, you can eat of everything, but there's a tree over there. Don't eat of it. And Adam and Eve threw it away. They threw that fellowship with God away. See, they found themselves in the midst of the garden, listening to the spokesperson of sin. And that's Satan. I am going to fall off of the stage here. <laughs> um, but we, we, they find themselves in the midst of the garden, listening to the spokesperson of sin. Fathers whether you want to acknowledge it or not, you are a primary role model in your kids' lives. What are you the spokesperson for? Is it for Christ? Is it for living a godly life? And I say this knowing my own shortcomings, the times where I've been complacent, where I've let go of the wheel and not in a good way in faith, but I've let go of the wheel in my own complacency, And said, I'm not going to shepherd today. Or I'm not going to teach today. Or I'm not going to instruct today. Shame on me. Fathers, you are a direct role model in your kids' lives. Whether you're a father, a biological father, a spiritual father, you are a direct role model in your kids' lives. What are you a spokesperson for? Or if you're not a direct role model, somebody is. And who is it? And what are they teaching your kids? Again, I say this completely knowing my own failures and my own shortcomings. But I say this with conviction when I look at God's word. And I see what it could be and what it should be. And wives, before you nudge your husband and you look at him with that crooked eye and say, I see, are you looking to God the father in conviction and enabling your husband to be that father for your kids. And if these things are not what you would answer today, if you can't say that I am or I'm doing this, it's not an opportunity to wallow in worldly sorrow, which we read leads to death and destruction, but it's an opportunity to be in godly sorrow over it, to repent which leads to life. Turn over a new leaf in your families. And so in the garden, we see sin entering the world. And we see this chasm opening up. And the fact is, fathers, and everyone for this matter, you cannot... You cannot show somebody somewhere you have not been yourself. See, when sin entered flesh, when sin entered our nature, it created a chasm between God and man that could only be reconciled by one thing, and that was by his love in pouring out his blood for a final sacrifice, the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, his son, that's the only thing that could bridge the gap and reconcile sinful man to a perfect and holy God. That is the only way you share true love with those around you. And it is a blessing to know the peace of Jesus Christ and to be able to speak that into kids lives or anybody's life for that matter and be able to say you do not have to stay here in this place of sin in a place of rebellion or a place of lawlessness but Jesus has set the captive free he has set you free you are not a victim you are a conqueror be it that is how we know that God loves us his son was sent to be the ransom. He was sent to pay the price that we could not. So, fathers, on this Father's Day, I want to leave you with a challenge. And young men, if you, you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have kids that are your kids, or you're gonna have kids or people around you that look to you as spiritual fathers and leaders. So it's not just to these biological fathers out here like myself. It's to everyone. This challenge. Don't be looking to the world's strategies and methods and the 12 steps to being a good father book that's on the shelf at Barnes & Noble. Look to God's word and be a conviction of God's word. Be men of conviction of God's word and be training up your children in that manner in the love of God knowing the love and the peace of Jesus Christ. And so fathers, as you see your kids erring, it's no coincidence, it's no coincidence that we're right now in 2 Samuel wrapping up the, the final days of David's reign in his kingdom and we've seen some of the effects, Adam Wilson and Matt going over it a couple weeks ago, we've seen the effects of sin not addressed in his life, in his children's lives, and the ongoing consequences of that. But we see God still saying that David is a man after his own heart as he goes to God in conviction and seeks God's face on matters. And so, man, I just, I'd just like to remind you, and myself, myself included, let's not look to strategies or methods Those things can be helpful and beneficial, but only if they're grounded in the word of God and the truth of God's word. In Hosea 4, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that is, we see that in Romans 1 and throughout God's word. A destruction that is sure to follow as soon as God, the main thing, doesn't continue to be the main thing. So, fathers, please, I beg you, myself included, I'm let's continue to make the main thing the main thing. Let's go be a man of conviction as we look at God's word. Again, I know it's I've probably been a little heavy-handed there at the end, but It's a joyful thing. Why? Because we don't have to stay there. We can look at the Prince of Peace, the author of our salvation, and there's hope. There's joy to be had. There's lives and families to be changed and transformed forever. And that is a joyful thing. I'd just like to close in prayer. And I'd just like to bless you on this Father's Day as you remember earthly fathers, but most importantly, the heavenly Father who loves you very much. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Father, we love you. Again, we thank you that we can call you Father. We thank you for your word that gives us that reminder. Lord, thank you that we don't have to stay in a place of sorrow or a place of pain suffering Lord and because of sin but you have set us free Lord through the blood of Jesus Christ so father we love you and we thank you so much for that we just ask your blessing as we go forward and we ask for healing and for peace in those homes that may not know an earthly father but Lord may they know peace and present May they know peace in knowing a heavenly Father loves them. And Lord, those that have not heard about that, we just pray that you would make it clear that the gospel would go forward and that truth would be revealed to the captive. Lord, we love you. We thank you and pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.